All right, so fam, I am ready to get right on into today's conversation. And for those of you new to the show, welcome to Ceremony Circle Podcast. I'm your host, shaman and author, Allison Charles. And today it is one of my absolute favorite deep dives as we are entering into surrender land. I almost wrote a book on it. And my guest today, Coot Blackson, did in fact write a book on it. And we chat all about the funny story of that divine coordination. And as surrender was absolutely the most powerful decision of my life, I could not wait to talk to Coot about it all, especially because there are so many misconceptions around what surrender really is, what it truly means, why living this way brings so much immense peace, and the list goes on and on. And Coot also has a really, really fascinating spiritual backstory. He grew up in Ghana, West Africa, and his father is somewhat of a true spiritual saint there with millions of devotees, and Coot was heir apparent to that throne. But his soul and his calling said otherwise. So today, Coot shares all about that very medicinal journey. Of course, we talk about what surrender truly is, and if you're feeling ready to lean into that space, the things that you need to look out for that may pop in trying to resist you taking that expansive leap into the highest divine timeline for your life, why that resistance tends to come in and how you can transcend and rise above it. We also chat about the most life-altering surrender moments Coot has experienced himself, the lessons and potent wisdom that came with them, and the benefits of living a surrendered life. Ah, and then two topics that are two of my favorites that may not sound like fun, but in my opinion, they are two of the most fun things that we can get into because of the miracles, liberation, and richness the exploration of both of them brings with them. Those two categories are denial and grieving. And yes, we swim in a very powerful way in those waters. We also talk about the powerful message that Coot's mother communicated to him from the other side after her passing. And at the end of the episode, Coot guides us in a very freeing and expansive surrender meditation that gives our soul, conscious awareness, and heart clarity on what we are so ready to release and activates the courage inside to release it and move forward. And I just want to get right on into it. So get ready to open the gateway to living your most miraculous life with surrender being that magical key with Coot Blackson. Ah, beautiful. What oil is that? What's the scent? This is, uh, it's called Soul Healing. It's a, com- it's a company from Australia. I really like Sounds nice. All right. I'm going to invite some of that soul healing into my sphere over here. Ah, all right. I feel like I felt that. It's so great (laughs) to have you here on Ceremony Circle, Coot. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Ah, and I had a sense, you know, right before I hit record, you were like, I'm ready to go wherever you want to go. And I, and I had a sense that that would be the way that you operate, considering you have a brand new book out that's all about surrender and the magic of surrender. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, just, I just love flowing wherever the spirit leads, you know, and so I'm just here to serve and add value. So beautiful. And I, as soon as I heard about your book and the fact that you're doing interviews all around this topic, I knew right away, I was like, you know, I'm in, I want to do this and I'll tell you why. And it's funny 
Yeah. So I think we have um, a similar story that I can't wait to start with and dive into. So I had actually started to write a book on surrender. Look at that. <laughs> I love it so much. It is something that I'm so passionate about. It is the step that I took and the decision I made that changed my life completely for the better. Yeah. And what was interesting though, is that I had this book proposal going, I had the book started, and then I took a trip to Bali. And while I was in Bali, I also work very closely with the power animal world. And I have mm -hmm. since the time I had my awakening and the power animals came to me and they said, that book concept is a great concept. However, <laughs> We need you to continue to be a voice for us and we it's time to write a book together. So I actually had to change the direction of my book, totally scrap my surrender book and pivot it over to my book that's now going to be out in October called Animal Power. Wow. Right. And so I had that was a whole surrender process for me of just like trusting that, answering the call to work with the power animals, hoping that my agent and publishers, that everybody was on board for this major shift. Thankfully, they were. But for, you know, let me know if I'm wrong, but I feel like weren't you also writing a different book? But then the surrender book came in and, and it was like, you need to write. Yeah. It, look, I, I had all of these incredible, what I thought was incredible ideas of my own. One day, this was not the book I thought I was going to write. Uh, I had an entire wall that I turned into a whiteboard filled with ideas. And I was projecting and throwing ideas onto this board, books I thought would sell. I came up with some, I thought, multi-million selling titles that were incredible and titles, concepts, ideas. The entire whiteboard was full. And then literally one day I was looking at everything on the board and it felt like the soul of the book just landed. Mm. And all I could feel was surrender. And I was totally surprised, totally shocked, totally resistant, because it was so far from what I thought I was going to write, yet it was also so obvious that I couldn't believe that I hadn't seen it. Mm. And so there was this idea of the book I thought I should write, and there was the reality of what was seeking to be written. And in that moment, with the, the, the kind of negotiation with my ego, once I surrendered, it felt like the soul of the book just started to reveal itself to me. And it no longer became about me writing it with my mind. It became more about just tuning into the essence and the energy that we're seeking to express. And that's really what happened with the book. You know, don't it, was, you think, it was amazing. Don't you think that's so hilarious though? Like, you know, how, you know, the theory, the concept that, you know, those of us that are tapped in, tuned in, and really working our connection to source that, um, you know, different ideas, of course, download in, but it's just a matter of like, who hears it, who, who listens to it. And I just was chuckling to myself the other day about what we're talking about, about how like, you know, this this idea to write this surrender book came in for whatever reason i wasn't to be you know the one authoring it and then i pivot away and then you i mean who knows if it really who knows yeah who knows but but it totally surprised me and then i just looked at my entire life and it just felt like everything that i've been living with my parents and my father being a healer and what my parents had lived and how they it just felt like i'd been i'd been prepared to write this book in this way at this time. And then it was just, it was, 
It was amazing. It was yeah. amazing. How, how it unfolded, you know. So I had to surrender to the process of a book about surrender. Uh, but let me tell you, when you write a book about surrender, you better get ready to be, the universe really puts you through an intense process of surrender in a very deep way. I have divine tingles activating through my body as you're saying that, because that was my next question for you, because I know what my experience was like writing my animal power book and, you know, the, the teachings and the embodiment that I was sharing around that concept. Yes, there were so many rites of passage and major initiations for me along that book journey. So yeah, I wanted to hear from you. There were so many, I mean, there were levels of surrender that I'd lived up until that point. But then there was just dimensions and nuances of surrender that could only be experienced in the depth of, I'll just say it this way, there's fake surrender. And fake surrender is kind of like, I'll surrender, but surrender is still a strategy of the ego. I'll surrender so that X, Y, Z can happen. And surrender still is a, mm. is, is a formula. I'll surrender so, so that in order that I'll get the goal, get the thing, get the that, get the job, get the part. So I'll surrender. And you still have an idea of what will happen on the other side. And There's still that level of control and manipulation to there's it. There's still the level of control and manipulation. So surrender is conditional. And, and it's kind of like surrender hijacked by the ego still to affect an outcome and manifest. There's still an I- identity and I in the process of surrender. And what I realized through the levels of what I went through, and and I'm happy to share kind of what happened, is in the process of real surrender, I feel like we're taken to a point where the I or the, the, the perceived sense of ego identity, which really is an illusion, has to actually dissolve in the process of true authentic surrender that is a real death a death of an idea, a death of an identity, a death of who we thought we were, a death, a death of really everything, so that we're then standing in the, the nothingness, in the everythingness of what we really are. And so true surrender through that initiatory process for me, the levels of when you really surrender, it's unconditional. There's mm-hmm. no I'll surrender so that. There's no I'll surrender if this happens. I'll surrender if she stays with me. I'll surrender if I get the, the, the job, it's just I'll surrender. And the mind still has no idea. Really, if you're surrendering, the mind has no idea what's really going to happen on the other side. No idea. Now, now people think, oh, that's, you know, what, how will you survive? What I found is in that no idea-ness space, there you tap into a no-limit, boundless, sort of inf- true infinite possibility because because there's no projection of what can happen, then there's no limits to what can happen. Then you are in a dimension of, of possibility that is not limited by the ego, the past, the conditioning, the programming, the identity, the mind anymore. And that's when I found the real magic can happen. And so for me, when I started writing this book, <laughs> I was in LA 23 years. Sounds like you were in LA too, yeah? I was in LA 23, never thought I would leave LA ever going to live and die in LA. I mean, it was like, I wasn't born there, but it was my roots. COVID hit, left LA, cried. You know, it was like a death. It was like I died, but I had to leave LA, moved to Phoenix. Had a house in Phoenix, never thought I'd live in Phoenix. Here I'm in Phoenix, knew no one. 
left my office in LA, let go of my house in LA, everything I know, COVID hits, business just boom. My event business is just like, well, what's going on? End up breaking up with the woman I thought I was going to marry, kids, the whole, just everything, boom. Then I'm guided to sell my house in Phoenix, move to Miami, no idea why, barely know anyone, but just following this deeper impulse, you know, of life and following this deeper unfolding. And I think in true surrender, there is a shift in the question we ask ourselves. You know, real surrender, I just think just, just so that everyone kind of is grooving in that similar ocean. You know, to me, surrender is really letting go of control. Surrender is letting go of that illusion of control. Surrender is when we stop trying to force and manipulate life to be what we think it should be and fit it into our small idea or box of you know, what our mind has made up, the preconceived idea to truly surrender, I think, is when we let go of the idea of who we think we should be, the life we think we should be living, to truly open to the life that is seeking to express, the authentic impulse of existence, of life, of energy, of the divine, whatever labels you want to put that is seeking to unfold and express, to really open to that, to me, is real surrender. And so I think in that space, the question moves from the old ego-based paradigm or model of what do I want from my life? What do I want from myself? What is my goal? I think that's an old model. And the question then shifts more and more to what is it that life is seeking to express through me? What is the deepest you know, impulse of what life is seeking to manifest through me and live through me and love through me and create through me? And to feel that, you know, and to attune to that. And then I think we can align our actions, our strategy, our marketing, our planning, our goal setting around that deep, authentic impulse of life, which has an intelligence of its own. And I think that's the surrender. See, a lot of people think that if you surrender, you're not going to get what you want. If you surrender, you're going to be homeless. You're going to be broke. You're going to have to sell everything. Go right, to the you're Himalayas. just giving up. You're giving up. But I think when I really want to invite people to a new paradigm, a new m- mode of thinking of if you surrender, what if you actually got more? Like more than you could imagine, more than you could have strategized and planned with your little ego mind. You know, that's it's always that way. It's always the more. And I'm just so glad I, I have like 25 downloads <laughs> just in that little bit because, and that's why I was such a huge, emphatic, instant yes to this conversation because with my passion around this topic too, and we're 100% on the same exact page as to how it works, what it is, all of that. I, in my passion and sharing about surrender, I've come across so many people, spiritual teachers included, and I get it. This is what I'm about to say is not from a place of judgment. It's from a, a chuckling place of just fascination. There's so many misconceptions around what surrender really is. And so I'm so glad we got right into the heart of one of those is yeah, so many people think it's just like, yeah, you become this like limp noodle, this limp wet spaghetti noodle that's just like tossed in the towel, given up. And for me, it is the most potent, divinely activating life force, enhancing and expanding alive power that you can possibly connect in with. It's the exact opposite of what so many people think that it is. Yeah. When we're called to surrender, many times what we're guided to do, truly, if we really feel the authentic guidance, is not always what we want to do. 
Many times it's, it's, you know, our soul doesn't care about convenience. It cares about more our evolution. And so surrender takes a lot of courage in many ways. And many times it, it requires that we do things that our ego, our personality doesn't want to do that. That's not weak. I mean, that, that takes, that takes balls. That takes heart. That takes discipline. That takes commitment. I mean, even for me, honestly, the process of writing the book, and I've written two books now. I hate writing. I love speaking. I, I, I would rather like chop my finger off than write. You know I mean, it's, it's kind of that, that painful, uh, but I do it. And, and so every time I sit down to create and write, it is a deep, profound process of surrender, of having to let go, of having to commit more deeply to the impact I feel the work can have than my petty little mood fleeting mood in the moment. That's a surrender, you know? And so surrender, I think, is the courage to listen to your heart and soul that might tell you, you know what? You're in a relationship and this relationship is not the right relationship. You've been in this relationship for eight years. It's comfortable. You're not in love. You've outgrown each other. You're wrong for each other. But maybe you've been staying because it's comfortable. It's familiar. You're not sure if you're going to get love anywhere else. What will people think? You feel guilty. To me, surrender is the willingness to tell yourself the truth and the courage to tell yourself the truth about what you really feel mm-hmm. and, and, and own that. That's, that's surrender. You know? mm-hmm. so, so it takes courage. It takes real courage. And I think even as a place where people can start, if they're wondering, well, how do I start? Tell yourself the truth about who you are and what you feel, even if you don't take any tangible actions on it. Sometimes the action part can freak people out. So we just bullshit ourselves and we don't tell ourselves the truth because we're afraid of, if I really tell myself the truth about what I feel about this situation, my job, my relationship, this dynamic, this friendship, what does that mean? I don't want to do that. So I'll just, I'll just stay in denial. And so I think where we can start to surrender is just, just start being honest with you know, this is what I feel like. Yes. What, what lies am I telling myself? Ah, oh, yes. I love that so much because as you've been talking, two phrases or words keep coming in and it's getting out of your own way and trust. Yeah. And those are two main permeating things that are in this orb of surrender that we're talking about. And yeah, before I had my spiritual awakening, I was in so much denial and so much illusion, so much suffrage, so much increasing anguish. It was just building and building because my own soul, body, all my guides, everything was trying to get my attention, but I was denying all the information coming in. So it required this major divine intervention to wake me up. And Mm -hmm. then the first step that I did after that was to surrender. And so I would love for you to share you know, when I surrender, I'm surrendering it all. And I'm surrendering it all to great spirit, God, goddess, great mother earth, and the divine wisdom, love, light, and truth that is me and lives within me. So it's like, I'm surrendering to what I feel is the highest divine intelligence outside of me and also within me. So I'm sure people are wondering if they've never walked through this process, but it's speaking to them, it's like, who, who am I, who am I it all up to? <laughs> okay. I, I do want I think you hit something really interesting about the process of surrender. You talked about denial. I just want to address that because I think it's so important. I think like that first stage that we often go through is denial. We don't even know that we're lying. 
We're just living what we're living based on our conditioning, based on our parents, based on generations, many times living living stuff that doesn't even belong to us, living a life that isn't our authentic expression. But we, we don't even know. We think that we have free will, but we really don't. We're just being, we're living the momentum of even the karmic tendencies from you know, parents and grandparents. So we're in denial. Yes. Then we move to a phase of maybe beginning to question ourselves a little bit, like the sense of, well, maybe... And this, to me, this is a progression in the process of surrender. Well, maybe, you know, maybe the life I'm living, maybe there's more. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm meant for something more. Maybe, maybe something's not quite right here. So the questioning begins, but then we move into that phase of resistance. Mm. I think in that phase of resistance, the ego, our perceived sense of self, who we perceive ourselves to be based on memories and experiences and past and conditioning, you know, that perceived sense of self starts getting a little freaked out because wait a second, I'm going to change. Well, who will I be if I really shift? And so the ego kicks in, resistance starts happening. And then many times we stay in resistance for years, resisting the truth, resisting the surrender, resisting the letting go. And so we move from resistance to, we'll call it negotiation, where now we start to kind of negotiate with ourselves as to, well, why not to let go? We feel we need to let go, but the negotiation begins. Mm, I know this relationship isn't right, but, you know, they've got potential. Or maybe I can make it work if I change myself. So we start negotiating with ourselves about what's true. We start negotiating our destiny. The negotiation can go on for, for decades. Then, no matter how much we negotiate, I think there comes a, a moment where we have to accept reality and we move into acceptance. That's another phase, but here's what I want to say. Acceptance is not surrender. And to me, there's a difference that I really want to distinguish because I think it speaks to what you were also asking. When we finally get to acceptance, we're in a space of, okay, no matter what I do, shit's going to change. Nothing's going to change. He's not going to change. They're not going to change. I'm not going to change. My financial situation isn't going to change. So I have to accept what is. This is what it is. But in acceptance, there can still be a closure. In acceptance, there can still be a, a, a non-openness, yes. a, a subtle resistance. Like, let's say it's raining outside. You don't want it to be raining outside. You're pissed off it's raining outside. But you take an umbrella, you've accepted that it's raining outside, but you're still upset and moaning and complaining that it's raining outside. But you've accepted it. True surrender is the open-hearted participation with the process of life and experience that is unfolding right now. When your heart is truly open, even if the situation is difficult, even if you don't under, even if it's challenging, where your heart is truly open and you're participating fully with the experience that's happening with an open heart. To me, this is surrender. In acceptance, you can still be coming from a resisting place of the experience that I'm having is not the experience that, I'm, that I should be having. But, uh, but I'm here, so I'll deal with it. To really, I think, move into true surrender, a couple of things. At least there's one belief and there's one thing, one concept. One belief I found that's really helped me is just understanding or the belief that the universe is always working for my highest good, even if I'm not able to see it right now, because many times from the current perspective, when things happen that I don't want to happen. I'm not always able to see the blessing in it in the moment because 
the ego or the mind has a very limited perception to be able to see the, the total possibilities of one's soul's evolution, trajectory, and destiny. And so the other thing I would also say is as souls, we incarnate into this human experience. As souls, we incarnate into this human experience to grow, learn, and evolve. To me, life is simply a classroom for our soul's evolution. And every experience, every relationship, every pain, every hurt, every up, every down, everything is really part of our soul's curriculum to grow, learn, and evolve and become more of who we really are. And I think when we shift our perspective to a more soul, soulistic, a more soul paradigm perspective to understand that it's ultimately the whole game here is about our evolution mm -hmm. and, our, and our growth, then I think it allows us to change our relationship with experiences so that even if they're challenging, even if they're difficult, we're able to more surrender to them. That doesn't mean they're easy. doesn't mean it's less painful, but I think we're more able to surrender to participating with them, with the understanding of the perspective that my soul is seeking to learn something here. My soul, so what is my soul seeking to learn in this situation? And that becomes part of the surrender. Mm -hmm. And so between acceptance and surrender, though, there's a phase that I often find is missed a lot of the time, and that is grief, grieving. I think many times we miss the phase of grieving. We skip the phase of grieving in an effort to, I want to hit surrender. I want to go into surrender. I want to just be in surrender. But if we don't allow ourselves to grieve fully, I think many times we won't be able to move into that true, authentic surrender fully. There'll be parts of us that are not capable, parts of us that are still resisting, parts of us that are still holding on to past pain because we haven't fully processed them on sort of mental, emotional, psychological, physiological levels to really release that old energy. To me, surrender is a death. It's a death of the old. It's a death of an idea. It's a death of an identity. It's a death of a phase. And so I think if you're truly surrendering, there will be some grief that comes up. Even if what you're surrendering to is something beautiful, you know, a new relationship, a new love, it, it's, it's a letting go of what could have been. It's a letting go of the old. It's a letting go of an old phase of one's life. And so I think we have to really honor the grieving that comes up in the process of surrendering. I mean, and sometimes we don't honor the grieving because we're afraid if I truly grieve, it will never end. If I truly grieve, it will last forever. If I truly grieve, I won't be able to cope. Uh, sometimes we hold on to the grieving as a way to not let something go. Because if, for instance, if I don't really acknowledge that my mother has passed away, I don't really grieve that, then I can still hold on to a part of her, not part of her and not really acknowledge she's gone. If I don't really grieve the end of a relationship, then I can still be in denial about the fact that it's really over and still have a piece of that person. And so, yes, that piece that you're talking about is so, I also agree, it's so vital because, again, back to that trust piece in the grieving process is when you learn to trust yourself to navigate any feeling that needs to be felt, moved through your body, expressed in whatever way. And you start to develop this. I mean, to me, it's, it's the most powerful trust you can have to know that no matter what this earth school, you know, brings your way, no matter what challenge 
that's meant to ascend you comes in, you know that you've got the navigation within yourself to find your way through it, to feel your way fully through it. So I'm so glad you brought that grief piece in as like a final doorway through that. It's an opening. Surrender. Yeah. yeah. There's an opening. I think, I think, you know, look, all feelings tend to remain present until we feel them fully. And when we feel them fully, all feelings tend to truly authentically dissolve, you know, because no feelings last forever. And so I think when we're able to feel them fully, we honor the past, we release that, then we're truly able to open to the new. I remember when my mother passed away, this is also part of what inspired the Magic of Surrender book. When my mother passed away, she was someone I was deeply close to. She was diagnosed with uh, stomach cancer. I got to be with her for an entire year. And it was a year of beautiful excruciatingly beautiful grief of releasing her and letting her go. And when she passed, I remember the levels of grief, but it, it was so strange. It didn't feel bad. It didn't feel, it felt so beautiful because in the grieving, it was as though my heart broke. And in that grieving of allowing my heart to break, it was as though the shape of my current heart's capacity to love broke open to more. And so there was a layer of grief happens in stages and layers. It doesn't happen on a timeline. And so it was this processing one layer of grief of her death, which shattered my heart. And rather than being broken, it was breaking open to more love. And so the shape of my heart just kept breaking open and expanding with each acknowledgement and layer and processing of the grief. And, and so it felt as though my capacity to love her, to love people, to love the world just kept growing in the process of the grief. And I think there's something really profound that happens when we allow ourselves to grieve. There is another dimension and level of strength that as human beings, we access when we go through the grief, when we survive what we thought we may not survive to still be there, there's a whole other dimension of strength that we find when we break open and we're still, we're still expanding and we're yeah. still present. And there's this other level of richness. Yes. And yeah, just this divinity. And I don't want to, you know, take the <laughs> whole time to talk about grieving, but the last little thing that I'll share yeah. is you know, recently I have been in some different types of grieving processes. I haven't shared too much about it actually I, really at all on any episodes of my show yet, but the illustrator of my animal power book passed away. Mm. And um, yes. And you know, basically the last pieces of art that he ever created are the animals and this book. And, you know, when I found, and he was only 30 years old, lived in Brazil. And um, yeah, but in that, in the medicine of hearing that news and processing and leaning in, leaning in to that process and really specifically, specifically in the grief sphere, grief portal, wow, was I just astounded. The texture that's in there yeah. Is unlike any other texture. Yeah. And it's it's such a richness. And there's so many threads and layers of beauty and teachings and awarenesses. It's such an expanded place mm. instead of a 
tightened, collapsing place. If you lean in and if you, you know, do what we're talking about, it will just, it opens up whole new worlds. It's so beautiful. It's part of what is the clearing and the letting go and the releasing that I think allows for the opening and the surrender to the new. I want to take a moment to thank Star Animal Sunday's Power Animal Fine Jewelry for making this episode possible. You all know my deep reverence for the power animal world. I even wrote a book on it. And this eco-friendly brand promotes the preservation of animal habitats. It features 19 different power animals, and it is all created from repurposed gold and ethically sourced diamonds. I have talisman pieces, necklaces, bracelets, and rings featuring the deer, horse, hummingbird, and flamingo. And they can also custom create your power animal by request, and each piece is blessed by a shaman. And you may have seen this jewelry featured in Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, on Halle Berry, Naomi Watts, Selma Blair, the list goes on and on. And I truly adore and respect Star Animal Sundays so much. So if you are feeling the draw to explore the power animal world with them, you can use the code STARPOWER at checkout and you'll get three complimentary meditation candles valued at $80 with your purchase. Most importantly, 25% of sales that come from using the code STARPOWER at checkout go to the Javari Project's Alternative Livelihoods Program. The Javari Project is a registered for-purpose organization working with a coalition of partners such as cultural sanctuaries and indigenous communities, one of which is one of the most pristine biodiverse areas in the world that has an unparalleled diversity of plants and animals and is home to the highest number of remote, uncontacted indigenous peoples known today. The Javari Project and Cultural Sanctuaries identify and evaluate the current threats to the cultural and environmental assets of the Javari region in order to sustainably support their territorial rights, protect their livelihoods, and preserve their habitat. So I highly urge you to please support these incredible causes. They're very near and dear to my heart. So you can make an impact as well as connect with your animal power by visiting www.staranimalsundays.com. That's www.staranimalsundays.com and use code STARPOWER at checkout. was there, you know, I shared a bit about my instantaneous life-changing moment that led to my, what I feel is my main surrender moment. I I now surrender everything all the time, everything (laughs) all surrendered, even before this interview. It's like whatever messages, medicine and guidance need to move through me, you know, in this interview with Coot to serve the highest, greatest good. Like I'm just in that place at all times. But was there a main defining initial surrender moment for you? Or if not, is there one story, another story of surrender that you feel like you can share? You know, there's been so many, I'll be honest, there's been many, many moments, many moments. I mean, one that kind of maybe kicked off part of my process or, or journey was, you know, as a kid, I grew up in the church. And so my father had 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, uh, had a huge church in London, about 5,000 people. So at, at age eight, I started speaking in my father's churches. At 14, 
he announces to the congregation, my son's taking over. And so at 14, I got ordained in my father's ministry and given a lot of responsibility. But I knew in that moment that that was not my path. I knew, you know, so that feeling when your heart sinks, when you know that uh, something is not aligned, you know. But what do you say? My fear was if I truly spoke my truth to my father, that I'd be alone, I'd be outcast, I would be abandoned, and I would lose this man that I loved. And so for four years, I really struggled with what do I do? You know, I prayed about it, I meditated about it, I took walks about it, I felt depressed about it. And, and uh, when I was 18, 17, 18, I knew I had to make a decision. Do I follow the expected path for my life and what everyone expects for me and hundreds of thousands of people, my father's followers, do I follow the expected path? And I projected into that future, age 20, age 30, age 40, age 50. And it was literally like my, my, my heart sank because I realized if I didn't have myself, I didn't have my soul, then what, no matter what I do in the world, what do I have? And then something was calling me into this complete unknown direction. All I knew was I must go to America. All I knew was I need to leave my father's church. All I knew was I want to help people, inspire people, serve people on a mass level. I didn't know what that would look like. I just felt this pull in a direction. So I knew I had to tell my father. And for me, that felt like such a huge death and surrender in that moment, especially for a 17, 18 year old kid who, who looks up to my, to, to his father. And there's and so, so much pressure, you know, because the you, pressure. Had, you the had pressure. already been speaking at the church and you were already known and already named. And it was huge. Uh, the responsibility, the pressure, the legacy. I'm the only son. I mean, oh my God. Well, you're the only son on top I was of the, all I, that. I was it. Like I was it. Okay. And so it was, it was intense. And after four years of struggling with it and crying and crying and speaking to his soul and invoking my ancestors and asking for God's help and everything, I, I, I knew what I had to do. And I made, I made peace with never having a relationship with my father again. Before you even told Before him. Before I spoke to him, I let him go because I pretty much figured he was gonna, I was going to be an outcast. And so I, I let him go. And I, I released him. I let him go. I gave him up. I surrendered my relationship with him to the universe. And I'll never forget, 17 years old, climbing up the, the steps to his bedroom. He's lying on the bed and I'm trembling, you know, and, and uh, I look him in the eyes. Literally, it's like I'm going to kill my father. That's how it felt. I'm going to shatter his heart. And I told him that I love you and I'm not going to be able to take over your churches. And he said nothing. All he said was, are you sure? And I said, yes. He said, are you really sure? My voice cracks and I'm like, yeah. He said, okay, that was it. We never spoke for two years. That was the moment. And it was this terrifying moment. I remember in that moment feeling so abandoned, so alone, so confused. Like, like the feeling of God, you've given me this vision. You know, you've given me, I, I would see visions. You've given me this desire. You've given me this, this, this dream in my heart and soul. And you just drop me in the middle of the ocean and have no freaking idea how to do this. Like, 
that was a moment of surrender. Like I cannot, I've reached the end of my own capacity to manifest and, and, and unfold what's next. That's a moment of magic right there. When we realize that, that's the beautiful moment. That's a scary moment, but that's the lip, our own ego's limitation is the possibility for life. He talked about what do we surrender to? What we surrender to is life, is existence, is the flow, is the universe, if you want to call it God, whatever label. But this intelligence of life that as we sit here is, is beating your heart, is beating my heart. We're being breathed right now, whether we're trying or not. We're not sitting here going, breathe, breathe, breathe. It's just happening, you know? There are trillions and trillions and trillions of processes happening in your body, in my body, in our body right now, in spite of us. We don't have to be good. We don't have to meditate. We don't have to be Mother Teresa. We don't have to, it could be Pablo Escobar. It's just happening, you know? Trillions of processes. We're being lived by something, some life force intelligence. And so for me, I'm just saying, Surrendering to that, feel that energy, you know, feel that life force that is doing us. And so when I really went into that zone of just saying, saying God at 17, I freaking surrender. Like I have, I, little coot, I, small, I have no idea. That's when I think the miracles begin. And that's when I realized, why do we wait till till we're at the end of our rope? to surrender like what would happen if we actually surrendered not at the end but at the beginning as a way of being (laughs) Uh, but that's when i won a green card literally in the lottery sounds like a crazy story but i ended up winning a green card in the green card lottery three months later and that is those are the beautiful moments so i my favorite quote is truth is a pathless land Ah. and you know so when you were sharing about that space that you entered into once you had spoken your truth to yourself, to your father, and then you realized you're in that void, but simultaneously that void is also, you've officially clicked into that co-creative space of working with the allness, the all that is of the divine. And you then entered into that place of truth being a pathless land. You know, there's there's not, especially initially for me too, I really relate to that. I had a real massive initiatory period where I had no idea what to do next. I had been given the visions of how my shamanic path was to work, but I, it's like, yeah, taking those first steps, there's no blueprint, there's no, and they, you know, universe really has to see you just stepping into that pathless land. And you know, fully, fully going in there. And then those confirmations start to come in. So for you, it sounds like getting that, winning the green card lottery. It was a a confirmation. I think, I think when we're really in that true state of surrender, we're not manifesting or projecting with identity. And when we're truly in that space of openness, we get out of our own way. And because there's no I, there's no limitation. And I think in that true openness of surrender where I don't know, we are open to the all. And in that true space of surrender, that's when life manifests through us. We go beyond being the one that's manifesting. And I think the one manifests through us. And what I have found repeatedly through my life is what life can manifest through you, through me, through us, 
is more than what we can do on our own. And for people that don't believe it, I mean, look at Jesus, look at Buddha, look at Gandhi, look at Mother Teresa, look at look at Mandela, look at Bruce Lee, look at you know Muhammad Ali, look look at look at so many of the great ones. You know, like what life manifested through them, they tapped into another dimension, and what life manifested through them was more than than they could have done on their own. And I think. To me, that's the invitation. I think that's that the possibility for us all to tap into another dimension of true greatness mm-hmm. when li- when life starts living us. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's that's the magic. And also peace. You know, I, yes, everything you've been sharing about because it has been true for me as well. The the I've had to activate levels of courage that I didn't even know were possible to tap into, you know, to live by the calls and to live in this surrendered way fully. However, you know, yes, it can be scary at times. And yes, it can seem very illogical sometimes the directives that we're given to follow, and it can require so much courage. But when you are living fully in that place, you are in peace at all times because you know you're living in connection with what can possibly be the highest for you and also being of service. Yeah. So it's such a thick... I think you said something really important too that that is is a big part of what I've been talking about but I haven't shared. But you mentioned this phrase, the highest good. If you want real peace, that that is the prayer right there. The invocation of the highest good in any moment. That doesn't mean like you can't, have an intention, you can't have a desire, you can't feel your deepest truth and move in that direction. But I think when we, when we get so attached to what we perceive something is or something's going to be or something should be, then we, we can create disconnection, then we can create sort of stress inside of ourselves in our attachment. But I think when we really invoke and affirm in any moment, universe, I ask, for the highest good to be made manifest in this situation, in this friendship, in this you know, business, in this relationship between me and this person. I'll give everything. I've, I'll do my part sharply. And I ask for the highest good to be made manifest. To me, that is, a, that is an infinite prayer without limits. And when we truly surrender to the highest good, the mind is not always able to see what the highest good is. But I think so long as we show up and do our part and we truly invoke and surrender to the highest good, then I think there can be a peace knowing that what ends up unfolding, what ends up manifesting is the highest good because that's what we've also been invoking so long as we've also done our 100%. You know? So I think the highest good is such a powerful perspective, trajectory, and invocation and prayer to... To, to hold on to. I totally agree. And um, last little story I'll uh, add to that is, you know, for a long time, my shamanic offerings were a lot of events, especially when I was living in New York City. And I, before, you know, days leading up to the event, I would tune in, you know, connect to great spirit, great mother earth and the wisdom inside and speak my surrender statement that I have and, and start to receive the guidance for the flow because I never, and all of my hundreds and hundreds of events and talks, everything I've given, there's never been any to alike because 
the energy mm. needed on that day is going to be different than the energy needed the month before. And for the group that's going to be presenting and so many factors, right? So I always get out of the, my own way, become the conduit, become the instrument to do my best to serve the highest good and formulate that flow. And a lot of times, you know, there would be, and I'm hearing, um, I always get this clear audience ring. Uh, it's coming in right now and certain things are being shared. And it's really loud in my left ear right now. But I, a lot of times the formulation for the flow of the event or the things that I was being instructed to speak wouldn't necessarily be the most fun. Or, you know, I'd be like, oh God, really? For this group? Like this is going to really not be fun for them or whatever would come up. But I always trusted and I trust in the medicine as a medicine person, you know, you, I, I just, I have to get out of my own way. That's it. And, and um, so, yeah, I was just reflecting on some of those funny moments um, based upon what you shared. But at the end of the day, even if I knew what I delivered was a little bit harder medicine to swallow for the group or shadow work or whatever might've been instructed to share with them. I knew at the end of the day, when I got back home after that event, I, sl I could sleep well at night and I'm at total peace because I know what got activated in them and what they saw felt will continue to serve them forever. And it's for the highest good. So, yeah. 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 I think that's part of the surrender, you know? Mm -hmm. and, you know and, and I was jokingly sharing with a friend the other day, like, how can we not trust? You know, how? How can we also, on one level, how do we trust? But on another level, how can we not trust? Because if, if you look at life, I mean, I think so much of every, to me, every moment of our life is also proof that we can trust. Look at life. I mean, the sun every day shines. The stars, the, the moon, 8 billion people. It's not perfect, but I don't know. There's never been a day when I've woken up. And the sun wasn't shining, breathing, digestion, processes, trillions of processes happening inside of one's body. So how can we not trust? I mean, so much of life is unfolding and happening for billions of years if we just are present with it. You know, it, it's funny in so many ways. I think we we trust Siri more than we trust our soul. You know, Siri, turn, what do I do? turn left? We don't, we don't even question Siri. Okay, we turn left, boom, turn right. But we never go, well, Siri, are you sure about that? But the moment we get this inner impulse, this guidance of write that book, we're like, well, wait a second. Well, this is what your purpose is. Well, wait a second. And so I think to really attune to that energy, I think life has a flow and life has an energy. And I think if we're able to really get attuned to the energy of where life is moving, not where we think it should be moving, but where it's moving and follow that flow and learn to, it's a different way, but actually learn to let life lead us, which requires that we kind of have to let go of the constant need to know what everything means at every moment. And I think that's something we're so addicted to as human beings, this, this need to know what everything means, which is a form of control. And so I think if we're able to just observe that and relax that for a bit, this need to know what everything means and allow life to lead us, you know, in many moments, we're constantly projecting onto the moment what something means, not realizing that the meaning we're making up about 
a moment or a situation or, or a relationship or what something means is not necessarily reality. It's just a version of our reality based on our current level of consciousness determined by our conditioning. And, and so our ability to interpret a moment is also limited. And if we're living inside of that limited interpretation, projecting goals and how we're going to act based on that limited interpretation, we definitely won't see the whole picture of what's unfolding. And that's why even in the moments when something can seem like the worst thing from the level of the ego, from the level of the soul, and looking back five, 10 years from now, it could be the best thing. But often in the moment, we're not able to see it. And so I think surrender also requires the quality of just really the willingness to, to not know and to live in the humility or the humility, but also the curiosity to be curious. You know, it's like, it's like don't be so sure what something means. And because there's many moments where I thought something was and it really wasn't. And, and even moments where like a relationship that maybe someone you really wanted that person to be the one and you, you could see your future with them and you were sure they were the one and they weren't. And it seemed so devastating in the moment. But now today, looking back, you think, thank God that didn't work out, you know? And so the willingness to not be so sure, I think, is, is also another, another interesting place to, to open to. Absolutely. And I do want to let all the beautiful soul family that's sitting with us in the ceremony circle chat know that um, cause I can, it's like, I can already sense in the future, uh, those that are going to be listening and this really speaking deeply to their souls and wanting to lean into this work. And I will share who, let me know your thoughts on this, but it provides, it gets easier. That's the easiest way that I can explain it is that once you open yourself up to this space that we're talking about. And the trust in yourself and all that is starts to grow and grow and grow more. And you realize the affirmative miracles that are presented for walking in this pathless land and all of these things, you know, I'm, I'm to the point, and it's been this way for quite a while. My favorite part is blind, blindly living by the calls. It's my absolute, it is, that is everything to me. You know, I can't imagine doing life any other way. So, you know, I just wanted to let people know, um, especially if they haven't started to live in this way that it, it is, inc it's inc an incredible ride. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's like, you know, driving with the constant brakes on, right. Versus being chauffeur driven. Mm. Mm -hmm. There comes a point where you, 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 you get chauffeur driven. Yeah, there we go. I love that. And, way. And, and, and there's a flow, you know, there's a flow in that. And I think that does get a point where when you're in the flow, there is a, in the surrender and even in the unknown, there is an exhilaration. You know, even in the like, holy shit, I have no idea where I'm going. But there's something that knows, you know, there's something that knows. And if you look at the big wave surface that are, you know, they, they, they're on the, on the ocean and they're feeling for where the wave is going. They're feeling. And then they catch the wave. And, then, and, and the wave is crazy, 200, 100 feet around them. It's insane. It's, it could kill. But look how blissful Led Hamilton is on that, on that surf. And so I think, yeah, it does get more 
blissful to partly it becomes more blissful, I think, at least for me, because there's a giving up of the idea that I, I have to do it. This sense of like, I got to do everything on my own. And in that letting go, which is scary at first, but the more I, more I move into that, in that letting go, there's a relaxation, you know, to, to this river of life and to this flow and to this intelligence, you know. This intelligence, if you cut your finger, this innate intelligence, you keep it clean, it knows how to heal. It knows how to heal your finger. Could you imagine the stress that you would feel if you cut your finger and you had to figure out how to heal this thing? But it knows. And so I think in, in, in that trust and surrender, there is a, a relaxation into life. Mm -hmm. I agree. So two things, well, I guess technically three, because we have uh, your little uh, ceremonial or ritual offering at the end. But before we get to that, two things. One, I guess we should go here first. For those who this is really, really tugging at their soul, of course, there's your book, The Magic of Surrender, that they can get. And I'm sure you walk them through this entire process. But for that, is there a next step? And of course, everyone's different, but is there anything coming to you that you can offer to them if they're like to a place where they're like, all right, you know what? I'm ready for this. <laughs> I am sold on the surrender thing. What can they do after they're done listening and sitting with us? I mean, definitely the book because the book walks them through stuff. Uh, the Magic of Surrender book. I mean, there's my website, uh, a whole bunch of resources on my website, kublaxon.com. For people that really want to deep dive, this 12-day event I do in Bali, due in December, depending on, on travel and all of that. But that www.boundlessblissbali.com, people can find out more there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I saw that you guide some really incredible in-person events. I know the Bali one's different than the pilgrimages you walk people through in India, but I was really captivated by that. Um, for those listening, uh, Kut has taken... Um, individuals and a 14-day journey through India where, you know, there's a lot to it. They give up their passport and essentially give up their identity and, and you guide them through what I would guess is an incredibly transformational process. Um, do you do that anymore? Or you no, I, I, I don't really do those anymore. I stopped doing those maybe five years ago in that zone just because of timing and, and different things. And yeah, it's a big, big undertaking. Yeah, the, the big undertaking it takes. But I did 19 of those journeys one-on-one. -on -one. Incredible. And, uh, and yeah, so the, the Bali journeys really became an extension, still intimate, about 20 people, but it became an extension of that journey, still based on the same fundamental principles of just creating a process that helps people peel away the layers of conditioning that we, we've all developed through the process of being in this human body and this human incarnation. Yeah. And like you said at the top of the interview, that denial piece, I just want to reflect again because I'm someone that came out of denial and now regularly do my best to keep myself in check with. And I'm constantly asking and questioning, am I in denial in any place again? Because it's so hidden and so sneaky. I mean, it's called denial for a reason. You don't even know you're in it. 
Yes. You know, and until that veil lifted and the illusion got swept away in my divine intervention, I did not know before that moment that I was living in denial until I wasn't. Mm. And so I just want to circle back to that point to invite people again around what you were saying about just peering into the questioning, peering into asking yourself, where am I lying to myself? Where can more truth be had in my, within myself and within my life? I just, I think that was so important. I wanted to reiterate it. You know, in terms of the denial piece, if people are like, I'm in denial, how would I even know? One place that might give them a clue is look at where you feel pain in your life. If there's some deep pain emotionally, that might be a sign that you're in denial. But if you're in such denial that you're not even, you're not even in tune with the pain, well, then how would you know you're in denial? One place might be look to see if there are physical symptoms, physical ailments, disease of some sort manifesting in your body where the suppressed, denied you know, truths because there's no space for it to even manifest energetically, emotionally manifest physiologically or in your body in some dis-ease or physical pain, back pain, neck pain, shoulder pain, liver, you know, something in the physical body is where that energy can also go, get stored, get trapped, manifest. Sometimes what we deny, uh, emotions we deny manifest in the people that we repeatedly attract. So if we're denying certain things we're angry about, we keep manifesting raging or angry people in some way, that can be a sign if it's a constant pattern in our life as well. The denial sometimes might manifest too if shit keeps falling apart and just in life things just kind of go haywire in life and just a little off. That can be a sign that the energy is, is stuck in some way and not flowing. And so that might help people to look at oh, don't think I'm in denial, but my body's falling apart. I don't think I'm in denial, but I keep attracting crazy, angry people. Mm, take a look. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And the last thing I want to circle back to is your dad, you know, because that was such, I mean, a massive part of your journey. You know, it's, it's where you grew up. It's where your roots come from. It's, you know, ancestry. It's the fact that you know, you began to get those spiritual activations inside of you at such a young age, which is a pretty rare experience for most people on the planet, especially in the way that those spiritual activations were happening for you. And then it led to, at a very young age, having these um, come to Jesus realization moments within yourself and sharing what you did with your dad. And then you spoke of the two years of non-communication I would love to understand, you know, where did it go after that? And yeah, yeah. What yeah. You know, so I won my green card, <laughs> uh, which was a, on one level, a complete shock to my father. I moved to the U.S., two suitcases, $800, came straight to Los Angeles, knew no one, filled with anger. Didn't know I was filled with anger. I was in denial. But my first girlfriend, she's like, I think you have some anger towards your father. I'm like, this relationship is over. Goodbye. Uh, met another woman. It's always the women that kind of tune in to the energies, you know. Uh, met, met another woman I fell in love with. She's like, I think you have some anger towards your father. Second time, I think I better listen. And so it was interesting. My father and I, we weren't speaking. And 
I started to do, that's what really got me into a lot of deep internal psychological work. And two things happened. I was at home, 18, 19, broke, miserable, so upset. And it was like having an epiphany. It was a moment in my room, sitting on the floor and moaning, groaning, complaining, feeling like a victim about my father and life. And I'm in the US and I'm basically starving and abandoned by my father, abandoned by God. No one is ever here for me. That, that kind of feeling is very heavy. And I remember this, it was like this moment of nobody owes you anything. It was literally like this thing, just no one owes you anything. Your dad doesn't owe you anything. God doesn't owe you anything. You've been, like, you've been given everything. What you do with that is up to you. And in that moment, I decided I was going to get some support to deal with my, my issues around my father. And so I did this men's weekend. I ended up doing this men's weekend to running in the forests and being guys. And, you know, it was beautiful, deep processing, uh, authentic men's work. And through that weekend, I really got to forgive my father. Mm. I really got to forgive this man who I felt was not there for me and tears and processing and forgiveness and letting him go. And so I just decided, you know what? I love him. It doesn't really matter. And there was such a clean space. I kid you not. I don't know if it was the next day or the following day, within two days, out of the blue, he calls me. Mm. Out of the blue. Like the energy had shifted. He calls me. The relationship with my father within myself is what shifted, really. And it's always the relationship with the other person within ourselves that is more important than even the relationship itself. Mm-hmm. And so once that shifted, something shifted over there. He calls me and he said, son, I think we need to speak. And that's when we began a conversation, you know, and it was a, it was a step. It was a beautiful step. It was a beautiful breakthrough. It was a long journey. It was far from perfect, but there was a lot of forgiveness, a lot of healing that happened. Fast forward 20 years, my mother passes away. And at this point, I'm really, you know, pretty, I would say, at peace with my father, you know, much closer to my mother, but at peace with my father. When my mother passed away, I did not understand why she passed away before my father, because she's 11, 10, 11 years younger. There was always the expectation that she would go after him when she passed away she would communicate to me Mm. from the other side and i asked her one of my grieving sessions why did you go she said i i passed away now to gift you this relationship that you're about to have with your father whatever karma needs to be resolved you Because I've removed myself, you and him get to resolve that between you for the next however many years you have. So do it. That's the moment. This was three years ago, three and a half years ago, when I vowed I would basically call my father every day for the rest of my life, the rest of his life, as a devotion. Mm. It, It didn't matter if he called me or not. didn't matter if he reached out or not, like nothing mattered. All that mattered was the loving. So there was for me another level of surrender to, I love this man. None of the other shit matters. None of the past matters. All that matters is 
this is the soul that I have an agreement with that birthed me. What an honor and privilege to have the energetic frequency of his, you know, DNA, his consciousness to stand on that, that sort of vibrational shoulders. And I'm just going to honor and love his soul because the bottom line, I love him. Personality is personality, but I love him and that's all that counts and that's all that matters. And so every day I call my father now just to love him, just to check in with him, just to, to honor him as a son to a father. And what's amazing is the level of our relationship, it just transformed. I mean, it just transformed and healed. And he realizes what I've done. And the depth of, of intimate sort of, it's not like we have long conversations, but the depth of intimate connection that I had with my mother, I now have with my father. Mm. And, and, and so the healing has come full circle, you know, even in that process. And so, but it took me just surrendering to also uh, the loving, you know, the loving. Yeah, truly unconditional. Oh, wow. That was such a beautiful story to share. Thank you so much for your willingness to do that. Such, um, yeah, no medicine quite like unconditional love medicine. So such a perfect way to um, end our chat. And I would love if you have any sort of brief guided uh, anything. uh, Brief. I just invite everyone just to take a moment and close your eyes. Just breathe for a second. You know, wherever you are, obviously, stationary, you can place your hand on your heart or any part of your body that you feel called to, to place your hand, to connect to your body, to your heart, to your spirit. And just take a moment. We'll do this for maybe one minute. You can continue at any time to feel. In the depth of your heart, what you are called to or move to release or let go of at this time. The next level of your life requires the next level of you. The next level of you requires that you release what is no longer aligned. So just take a moment to compassionately acknowledge in your heart what you know it's time to let go of. Maybe there's a way of being. Maybe there's a way of relating to yourself. Maybe there's a story. Maybe there's an addiction. Maybe there's whatever it is. Just take a moment to gently acknowledge that. Take a moment to have an honest moment of surrender to the truth in your heart. Maybe there's a friendship or a connection or something that needs to be released. Take a moment to hold that in your heart. Maybe it's a part of you. Maybe it's a person. Whatever is symbolized as that part, you can simply take a moment, see it, visualize it. If there's anything you want to say to it.
anything you need to communicate to this part of you? Anything you need to acknowledge to this part of you? Or simply beginning a process of saying goodbye. Let's take a moment. Thanking this part for whatever it has been serving in your life. Making peace with this part. Blessing this part. You can simply say, I surrender. I surrender everything that is no longer in alignment with my highest good. I surrender everything that is no longer in alignment with my highest good. Just feel whatever that is. I surrender everyone that is no longer in alignment with my highest good. I surrender everyone that is no longer in alignment with my highest good. I invoke the highest good. I invoke the highest good. I surrender. Taking a deep breath, just once more. I surrender. I surrender everything that is no longer in alignment with my highest good. You can honor it, you can bless it. I surrender everything that is no longer in alignment with my highest good. You can thank you. What it served. I surrender everyone that is no longer in alignment for my highest good. I can bless them. Surrender everyone that is no longer in alignment with my highest good. I ask for only the highest good. I ask for only the highest good. I surrender. Just take a deep breath and exhale, everyone. Just breathe out. And slowly you can open your eyes. Three, two, one. Your eyes. Welcome back. Stretch and welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> Ah, oh, that was so nice. I really felt your embodiment with these teachings and um, just want to thank you. I was really looking forward to connecting with you and I had such a great time. So, yes, thank you everyone for joining us. And you know that um, within the show notes, I always have all the guests uh, website links and how to get their books and how to connect with them on social media. So 
You can always go to my website for all of that or go to Coot's website. What is your website? Cootblackson.com. Uh, okay. Any final parting words? Or do you feel complete? Yeah, just, you know, if you want the magic, you've got to surrender. And surrender is the password to freedom. And so it is. Thank you. Woo! What a powerful voyage that was. It is just my greatest honor. It brings me so much joy and activates and lights up my soul to be able to sit with these incredible embodied, true spiritual masters and leaders from all over the world. I ask that you please, if you feel called, continue to support them and their work in whatever way that feels aligned for you. Please go to my website where all the show notes are listed, www.allisoncharles.com. That's www.allisoncharles.com so that you can access their direct links to their website and social media platforms and additional information about them. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle so unique is that at the end of every single episode, as you just experienced, we immerse in a powerful ceremony, ritual, invocation, prayer, spiritual song, some sort of activation that the guest feels called to offer on that day. So listen to your intuition. If at any point, Moving forward, you feel called to come back and re-immerse in this guided ceremonial experience, do so. Because I guarantee every single time you experience it, you will receive a new medicine transmission, a new awareness, a new awakening aspect within your soul. It has been an honor voyaging with you. Please keep the Ceremony Circle community vibes growing and activating Find me on Instagram at I am Allison Charles. And let me know how you enjoyed this episode. Let me know how you are creating your own sacred ceremony circle space. Tag those in your soul fam who are immersing in the ceremony circle episodes and experiences with you. And let's unite in the next episode coming out next week so we can continue to activate the consciousness energies of planet Earth and the universes. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.